and Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 this morning, and we're just going to read verse 28. Verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the great opportunity of being here today in this place, being able to fellowship together as a body of believers and to, to sing praise to your name and, and worship and honour you. And Lord, we pray now as we come around your word that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning through your word, that you would teach us, instruct us. Lord, I pray that you would empower me this morning as I speak with your words and your thoughts, and that, Lord, we would leave this place knowing that we've been in your presence and giving all glory unto you. I pray that you bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, um, of course, uh, we've been looking at Acts chapter 20, okay, and we've been looking at Paul's uh, farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Okay, remember he had been travelling down the coast by ship. Okay, he'd stopped in at Miletus, and he was there for a period of time, at least for a, you know a week probably. And he sent messengers across to Ephesus and asked the the leaders, the elders there, to come down and to meet with him at Miletus. And so they made that journey. I think it was about eighty kilometres. They made that journey down to Miletus, and he has delivered them this farewell address. It's his final chance to give them some instruction from the Lord. And we said that this message here that he gives them is divided into three parts. And we've looked at the first two of those parts and we come now this morning to the final section of his message. The first section was in verses 18 to 21 and it focused on uh, his past ministry among them. Let's just read Verse 18 there, it says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And now I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he focused on his past ministry among them, his example, what he had done. And Paul reminded them of his motive. He reminded them of his manner and of the message that he had preached. In the second part of his uh, farewell address here, verse 22 to 27, Paul then turned his attention to the present mission before him. Let's just read from verse 22. It says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that there are bond, that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And so he looked at his present mission, what was before him. 
okay? And we talked about the fact that he was heading towards Jerusalem and he was heading there with the gift, okay, that he collected from the Gentile churches to give it unto uh, the saints at Jerusalem who were struggling, who were poor, and they were going through a hard time. And Paul speaks about how he knew that there was dangers ahead, but he was determined to do the will of God. He was determined to fulfill God's calling, to finish the course, finish the race that God had set before him, not turn back. And so we looked at his determination. And now we come this morning to the, the last section of Paul's message to these Ephesian elders, verse 28 uh, down to the end of the chapter. And I was going to try and look at all of this this morning. This is basically his challenge now for the future. I was going to try and cover it all, but we're only going to get to look at the very first part of it this morning. Uh, the charge given to these elders in verse 28. And so we're going to look at the charge to the Ephesian elders. Verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know, last week we ended, <coughs> excuse me, if you remember, by saying that Paul, you know, he was effectively now passing the baton. Okay, he'd been ministering among the, the Ephesians and he was passing the baton now to these elders, these pastors. It was now their responsibility. You know, we talked about how Paul had performed the role of the watchman, okay, upon the, upon the walls, you know, the crying out about the danger that's to come. He had warned them night and day. He had done his job as the watchman. He had been faithful to all that God had called him to do. And in verse 27 there, Paul says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He declared all the counsel of God unto them. He not held back anything that was profitable unto them. He had been faithful in his calling. And you know, Paul could leave with a clear conscience. And as he left, the responsibility now was passed to these men. Okay, it was now passed on to these elders. It was now their responsibility to be the watchman the watchman for this church at Ephesus. And with that in mind, Paul now charges these elders, these pastors, to do two things. He charges them, first of all here, to take heed to themselves. It starts out verse 28 there. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. He says, Take heed unto yourselves. Now that word take heed there carries the idea of turning one's mind towards something okay turning one's mind towards something it's the idea of paying attention this same greek word is translated in other passages as beware okay matthew 16 and verse 6 christ said beware of the leaven of the pharisees and of the sadducees that word beware there is that same word it's take heed it's also translated as give attendance in first timothy chapter 4 and verse 13 it says till i come give attendance to reading exhortation to doctrine that word give attendance that same idea take heed beware give attendance and when we consider these meanings together we begin to get a sense of what paul is saying here paul is telling these elders these pastors to pay constant careful attention to their own spiritual condition that's what he's saying here pay constant careful close attention to your own spiritual condition. You see, these men were now the leaders of the church at Ephesus. And to be effective leaders, to be effective watchmen, 
protecting and caring for God's people, they first of all had to be strong spiritually themselves. They had to be spiritually mature. I mean, that's what the term elder is all about, isn't it? It's about spiritual maturity. That's what these men had to be. They had to be someone who's strong spiritually, take heed unto themselves. You know, Paul gave uh, Timothy a similar instruction in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Just turn over there with me. 1 Timothy 4. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16, it says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. He says at the start there, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Paul gave Timothy a similar charge, didn't he? He said, Timothy, you need to take heed unto yourself. Make sure you're strong spiritually. Guard your own hearts. And guard the, the doctrine, hold fast, so that you can then be effective in the ministry. In First Peter chapter 5 and verse 3, Peter says the elders are to be an example under the flock. Just turn over there with me. I'm preaching a lot about myself this morning, which is fine. It's the, the word of God. So First Peter 5 and verse 3, it says, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. Peter says that elders, he's talking about elders here, they are to be an example unto the flock. And that was the case for these elders here that Paul is addressing, okay, these pastors of the church at Ephesus. They were to be a godly example unto the believers, unto the, the flock, the congregation there. And so that meant that, first of all, they needed to pay close, careful attention to their own spiritual condition. They needed to make sure that they were walking in close fellowship with the Lord. They need to make sure that they were holding fast to the doctrine so that they could then effectively lead the church. And you know, the same is true today. For myself, Pastor Davis, as pastor of the church, we have to make sure we take heed to our own spiritual condition. But you know, the same is true for all of us in ministry. It's true for all of us as we serve the Lord. You know, if we want to be effective in ministry, then our first concern must be our spiritual condition. must be that we ourselves are walking in close relationship with the Lord. We cannot hope to effectively minister unto others if we're out of fellowship with God. We can't hope to effectively convey God's word, effectively help those other people if we ourselves are out of fellowship. You know, this includes our ministries on a Friday night to young people, doesn't it? As leaders... We're, we're there to minister to those young people. We can't hope to do that if we ourselves are not spiritually right before the Lord. It applies to Sunday school, our Sunday school teachers, ministering to those young people. It applies to any preaching opportunities or teaching opportunities within the church, music ministry. You see, the point is that all of us are responsible to take heed under ourselves, make sure that we're walking right before the Lord so we can be effective in our ministry effectively minister unto those around us. And so God calls us to take careful heed to our own souls. And secondly now, Paul tells them to take heed to the flock. Verse 28 again, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which hath purchased with his own blood. So he's charged them to take heed unto themselves, to pay close, careful attention to their own 
spiritual condition. And now he says that the elders are to be concerned for the spiritual condition of the flock. Take heed unto the flock of God. It's that same word there again. Take heed. Pay close, careful attention under the spiritual condition of the flock. Now the term flock here is of course referring to the congregation. Okay, it's referring to the congregation. You know, this idea of referring to God's people as sheep is a common imagery in the New Testament, isn't it? In John chapter 10, Christ referred to himself as the good shepherd and he said that his followers are his sheep. Let's just turn over there quickly, John chapter 10. Uh, John 10 verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, and them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Christ says that he's the good shepherd, and he refers to his followers as sheep, and he says in verse 16 there, about gathering the sheep into one fold, the church. And so Christ himself taught and used this imagery of the church as being a flock, as being sheep, a flock that needs to be cared for. You know, in John chapter 21, Christ gave that charge to Peter. Uh, John 21 and verse 15. It says, So when they had dying, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Peter here is given this command by the Lord to feed his sheep. Again, referring to the church, referring to his people. You know, Peter then passed on those same instructions to elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. He said that elders are to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so this is the common imagery in the word of God. The common imagery used, speaking about the congregation, about the church, is that they're sheep, a flock. And the question is, what does this imagery tell us? You know, what does this imagery of a flock tell us about the church? Why does God call the church a flock? Well, the church is pictured as a flock of sheep because of its vulnerability to attack and its need of a shepherd, its need of a leader. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, we read this, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. You see, sheep need leadership and protection, without which they are vulnerable. They're scattered, they're defenseless, and eventually they fall prey to the beasts. And this is the point of this imagery. This is the point of this imagery of of God calling the church a flock. Just as sheep need a, a shepherd to care for them, the church needs a spiritual leader to care for them. And that responsibility falls to the pastor. 
Now, Paul goes on in verse 28 here in Acts 20. Let's go back there again. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Paul goes on to state that it's the Holy Ghost that had made these men overseers. These men had been given this responsibility of being in the leadership position over the flock of God. They had been put in this position of being the shepherds by the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul is stressing the fact that this is a calling of God upon their lives. A privileged position, one of great responsibility that God had called them to. Now, the church at Ephesus had obviously recognized this call and had separated these, these men unto the ministry, had ordained these men as elders. I mean, that's what uh, Paul went about doing. Go to Acts chapter 14 with me. He made sure the church is ordained elders. Acts chapter 14 and verse 23. <clears throat> it says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. This is one example here talking about Paul. As he's going around, he made sure the churches ordained elders. That elders were ordained to, to fulfill this role of being the shepherd. So the point is, these men were not just randomly chosen. They weren't just randomly chosen. This wasn't a, a popularity contest. They were ordained in recognition of the call of God upon their lives. They were separated unto the ministry. Indeed, this ought to be the case today in any church. The pastor is appointed because the church recognizes the call of God upon their lives. The church recognizes that they have been equipped by God for the ministry. I mean, that's, it's a call of God upon the life of the man that he's chosen for that position. And then Paul goes on to list the responsibility of the pastor, and he gives it to us in two words. The first of these is the word overseer. He says, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And this term is derived from the Greek word episkopos. And it's, it's commonly translated as bishop. First Timothy chapter 1, sorry, chapter 3 verse 1 is just one example. It says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Bishop, it's the exact same Greek word, it's that same term. And this Greek word, episkopos, is a compound word, okay? It's got two parts to it. Epi means on or over. And then you have the noun skopos, which means to look or see. And hence the reason it's translated here is over, see. Okay, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Taking the meanings and put it straight into English. And it has the meaning of keeping careful watch over. To keep careful watch over. In the secular world, this title was given to local governing officials or it was given to those who were in a position of uh, office within a society. You know, if they had the uh, authority of the general administration of that organization, they were given this title of being the overseer. And in the context of church leadership, the term speaks of watching over the souls of those entrusted to them by the Lord speaks about the fact that the pastor, the elder, has been given this responsibility of watching over the flock. In Hebrews chapter 13, just turn over there, Hebrews 13. <clears throat> I 
Hebrews 13, verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give, an, give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It says, For they watch for your souls. This is the responsibility, the grave responsibility of the pastor. It's, it's a grave responsibility that's laid upon the pastor's shoulder that they are to keep careful watch over the souls of the flock. There's responsibility for watching over the flock of God, the souls that God has put into their care. The responsibility of the pastor is then further described with the words, feed the church of God. Back there in Acts 20 and verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God. Now that word feed there literally means to tend or to shepherd. And it's this word that gives us our common term for leadership within the church, the pastor. It's, that's where we get it from. The word pastor is actually derived from the Latin word for shepherd. And so the pastor, the elder, the bishop here is instructed to shepherd or tend God's flock. You know, shepherding implies more than just feeding. I mean, it says here, feed the flock, but there's more to it. Shepherding implies more than just feeding. It implies protecting. It implies guiding and guarding the flock that God has entrusted to your care. And the main way the shepherd or the pastor accomplishes these things is through the instruction of God's word. You see, teaching, instructing the flock is the main responsibility laid upon the shoulders of the pastor. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, you have there listed the office of the church, and it says the office of pastor and teacher. It's pastor-teacher in the Greek. It's, it's one office with two descriptive titles. You see, the way the pastor shepherds the flock is by teaching the flock, teaching God's word. Now, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Again, the emphasis there is he's talking to Timothy is, Timothy, you need to teach and preach the word of God. That's your responsibility. You see, the reason for this emphasis is that, you know, the word of God is the thing that strengthens us, isn't it? It's the word of God that strengthens and builds up us in the faith, builds up the flock. In Acts 20, where we are in verse 32, Paul says this, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of his grace, which builds us up. It's the word of God that as believers we need to be fed. And so the pastor has the responsibility of feeding the flock, teaching, so that we might grow spiritually and stand fast. You know, the word of God is also the thing that protects us against false teaching. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, starting verse 11. Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God 
unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You see, it's the word of God that matures us as believers, which then gives us the strength to stand fast in the doctrine, not be blown about, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And so again, it's the pastor's responsibility to teach the word so we might be grounded in the faith, be protected. It's also, you know, the word of God that guides us, isn't it? That leads us. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. Again, the pastor, the shepherd, has to lead and guide the, the sheep. How does he do it? Through the word of God. The leading of God's word. You see, the point is that the shepherding of the flock is accomplished through the teaching of the word of God. This is how the pastor feeds. This is how the, the pastor guides and protects the flock that God is putting his care. It's through the faithful preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's his main responsibility. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 makes clear the, the great importance of teaching the word of God. Sorry, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, under all good works. The word of God is, is of utmost importance when it comes to the, the, the ministry of the pastor and shepherding the flock. Notice back in our verse, in verse 28, Paul now goes on, he says that they are to feed the church of God. He describes the flock here as being the church of God. Now this signifies to us the fact that the church ultimately belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to the Lord. It's his purchased possession. The end of verse 28 there, it says, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. It's God's purchased possession. It's God's church. It's his flock. It belongs to him. Now, in this verse here, we have all three members of the Godhead mentioned in relation to the church. You see, the church belongs to God the Father, He's purchased it to himself through the blood of his precious son. And the Holy Ghost is the one who makes appointments in that church of elders, pastors. He's the one who appoints them to that position. Truly, it is God's church. It's God's flock. You know, the elders of the church at Ephesus, they couldn't claim it as being theirs. They couldn't claim it as being their flock. No more than any pastor today can claim that a church is his. It's not my flock. It's not my church. It's God's. It belongs to him. It's God's church entrusted to the, by God to the care of the pastor, the under-shepherd. You know, this just highlights for us how great, how serious this responsibility really is. You see, the pastor has the responsibility of overseeing and shepherding the body of believers that has been purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ overseeing God's church, God's flock. You know, Bruce said this in his commentary. He said, Their responsibility was all the greater in that the flock which they were called upon to tend was no other than the congregation of God which he had purchased for himself 
And the ransom price was nothing less than the lifeblood of his beloved son. You see, truly the office of the pastor is one of great responsibility. It's not something to be taken lightly. You know, Paul here, he's, he's about to go on now and give these pastors some warnings concerning the danger to the flock that God has put in their care. Just read with me verse 29. It says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And Paul's about to go on and give them some warning, the dangers that are present to the flock of God. And next week we'll consider that warning, and hopefully we'll get to the end of the chapter, we'll look at Paul's concluding statements. But you know, today this verse you know, that we've looked at, you know, and I was trying to get further along, but you know, this verse is such a great reminder for us all of the, the role of the pastor. And you know, it was a great reminder for me, for myself this week. Reminded for myself of just how great the responsibility is that God has entrusted to myself and to Pastor Davies. And, you know, as I was thinking about what the, the application is, you know, the application is pray for us. Pray for us. You know, pray that God will enable us to fulfill this role to his glory. You know, we, we need your prayers. We're just like the rest of you, sinners saved by grace. We need your prayers because... It's a grave responsibility to watch over the souls and to feed the flock, to tend the sheep. It's a great responsibility. We need your prayers. We covet your prayers. So please pray for us. You know, there also, as we saw on the first point, is a reminder that we all have to take heed to ourselves, isn't there? All of us, as we seek to effectively minister for the Lord, need to take heed unto ourselves, unto our own spiritual condition. I need to as the pastor, and we all need to in ministry so that we can effectively serve the Lord and minister unto others. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I know this morning I've preached about myself, <laughs> about my role. And Lord, I do pray that you would, Lord, you would help us going forward, that you would give um, me wisdom, give Pastor Davies wisdom in this great responsibility. Lord, help us all to take heed unto ourselves in, in the ministries that you've given to us. Lord, so we might effectively serve you. Lord, I pray you'd be blessed now as we close. May you help us remember these truths from your word in Jesus' name.